Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Schoolgirls, one of the most positive, uplifting songs you can listen to, yet it comes from a really dark yeah. place. Yeah. I think sometimes you can get messages across more strongly if, if you sort of, you know, if you coach them and sugar, you know, it's like a, like a you know, like a, a medicine and you just make it like a sweetie and people think they're getting a sweetie, but once they've got it in their mouth, it's too late. And um, so, yeah, I think our songs are often like that, aren't they? They're sort of coated in pop, but actually if you just kind of chip away, there's, there's, some, there's some very, you know, very deeply personal and deeply serious subjects that we that we've covered yeah and and, you know my dad did that when with his writing and I've done that with my lyrics absolutely we love those songs the personal ones are are the favorites because you can tell how much you care about the subjects that you're singing about coming back to aliens the theme around mental health is something that you cover which is incredibly topical now and something that people didn't talk about in songs 20 years ago but you've you know solstice covers that just beautifully we're not scared to like tackle some really tricky subjects um and that's why we're so proud of of here come the aliens album it's 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 it kind of really it's very eclectic talks about some really like you say very deeply serious subjects or very and very relevant like mental health and uh, and the the environment you talk about the impact of internet bullying which is something that all generations can relate to yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's very it's very relevant, the subjects that are happening to all of us that I, I want to write about. Um, they, they make me write about them. I don't really have a choice. They just sort of, they get, they, they get somehow I get hardwired into these subjects and they talk to me and then I have to put them in a song. And Rick's music makes it so easy to do that. I know as soon as I hear a melody from Rick, I know exactly what the song's about. It might just be one word that comes into my mind and it tells me what that song's about and then it's easy absolutely easy i mean writing lyrics for ricky's melodies is so easy um i just have to keep it honest keep it direct 
um, take out all the, you know, take out the thes and the ins and the ands. Keep it. I, th- I think that's, keep the that, message that, strong. That's one thing about your lyrics is that they always come across so honest. I much prefer the lyrics coming from you. And actually, all the artists that I work with, because I think it's the artists are the ones that have to get up there and sing it and feel it. And I think it's important that they sing what they believe and what they what they're thinking, you know. And for you, you can articulate uh, all manner of things um, much better than I could. So. But also, it's something. Uh, it's something as you get older. There's more to say, isn't there? Yeah. You know, and the more you live life, I mean, I live a very real life. Um, you know, I'm mar- been married for 22, three years. That's, you know, you could write a, 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 you know, a, a, a triple album about that alone. Um, you know, and having children, you know, but what you go through having those. I mean, that, that's not a, a walk in the park, I can tell you, um, as we all know. And then, and then it goes on, you know, and then the, the reality of like just that alone is compelling enough, let alone with bloody aliens turning up in the back garden. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, life is yeah. incredible. It throws stuff at you, you know, you get, you get, you know, you get sideswiped by a huge event. And then you say, you either let it overwhelm you or you say, oh, come on, come on. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to use you. You're, you're, I'm going to throw that back at you. So it's songwriting therapy for you both in a way yeah, as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, yeah that's is, what yeah. I just said. Yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're quite right. <laughs> you talk Sorry. about the magic, Rick, that, you know, that you'll hear the melody and you'll be like, I know exactly where I'm going. Are there songs in the back catalogue that you, you that at the time you were like, this is gold, we've struck it here, that didn't quite smash that you thought would and equally are there songs that you just thought I never I didn't think the public would connect to this song in the way that they did you asked that before yeah you know, I didn't see pop pop don't stop isn't mm. that crazy mm. I don't think mm. we either either of us no, did I, was, I, was really I thought surprised. I really liked it yeah. as a song I thought it was great yeah, but yeah. but it turned out it turned out being the turning point I mean it was the first single off the here come the aliens album it's the one radio two started jumping up and down about and played off air first time we've had a record played on radio well the equivalent of Radio 1, Radio 2, um, since the 80s. Mm. So it was really incredible. I'd be walking my dogs across the field, I'd get my radio app on my phone, and I'd literally just li- be listening to Radio 2, waiting for Pop Don't Stop to come on. It was such a... Oh, it's, it's it was like, so It was thrilling. such a buzz, wasn't it, such hearing it on... Uh, and I'd like be turning it up full blast in my kitchen. And it was like hearing Kids in America on... It was like hearing Kids in America for the first all time. over again. It was wonderful. Is that an ex- really exciting point as a songwriter when you... Send your song out into the world, and all of a sudden, everyone yeah. is out in the world. Is that is that a re- talk us through it's that? Such What's a, that it's like? such a buzz, Jake. I can't, I can't tell you, man. But when you hear one of your records on the radio, it's um, it's a, such a great feeling because people are recognising that it's a good song, basically, and and that's it's it's a nice feeling when 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 people say you know it's like when people talk about one of your episodes. Yeah. Say you do a killer performance yeah, in one of your yeah, episodes, nice to get when, when people are writing about it saying. Oh, did you see Jakey do this? Oh, he's amazing. It's just a real buzz, mate, you know. And um, so it's like that, really. It's it's, it's an affirmation of... I think as well, well, it's the ability to have an impact on people through your music, isn't it? Yeah, exactly that. There's another aspect with radio as well, especially national radio like Radio 2, is that, you know, if if you put a song out and and you put it on YouTube or or, or your fans buy it online or whatever else, that's one thing. But when it gets played on, on someone like Radio 2, all of a sudden millions of people hear it. Yeah. And it's in their kitchens when they're getting ready for work or school or whatever. Or it's, and that's just next level. Yeah. And, and that changes everything. And, and I think that shows the power of radio is still huge. Yes, absolutely. It's, you know, with yeah. all this technology and internet and everything else, yeah. 
national radio is still massive and it's still important and it's and it is what can mm. you know take your your songs to, you know on their the album they're on or whatever whether it's a single, that's what takes it to the next level still it's yeah. still a big deal you know and radio is is so yes important. yes but also you know I've I've said this many a time but writing and producing making music to actually get it to the point where it's heard on radio, it, it's like planets aligning and it only takes one little planet to be slightly off and it won't happen. And it's a team. It's like a full team effort. So writing the song, obviously, that's me and Kimmy and Kimmy singed it. Um, but then you need guys like Joe Bennett. Yeah, there's, there's the whole sort of hidden bit of the industry that people don't really know about which, again, you could do another whole podcast about. But it's, you know, exactly there are people that. between when we finish the yeah. mix and, and the masters. Well, no, no, let's go back further than that even. Um, there's the mixing part, which yeah. you're all very uh, involved with as well. You can have a great song, you can have a great vocal, but if you've got a shit mix, it ain't going to happen. <laughs> and, and so it, you need it to sound great. So yeah. it's kind of like a team effort. So yeah, it's it like, um, and well, you've got, a good you've got song to have... is easier to mix. This is another thing which I think a lot of people might not know. And But the musicianship as well. The musicianship, they all, yeah. it all plays a part. And I think although that, that in the studio you can manipulate something to, to be better than what it was, absolutely. But I think what really shows a song up is live because... You know, I, I think I've said it to you before. Why? Why is a certain song in the set list? It's because it sounds great live. Mm. Whether it's a better song than the previous song, to me, what what makes a song sound, uh, what gives it away as a quality song is that when you mix it live, mm. you don't have to do any clever trickery. It just sounds great. The arrangement is great. What people are playing works perfectly with the, you know, the drums and the bass and the keys. They all just mix together perfectly without me having to go crazy and. and try and fix any problems it just works you think that's like the litmus test of a great song where yeah it i think works so right. for me i think it's 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 really obvious when we start playing a new song live whether it works or whether it don't really quickly yeah. you know you, you can't fix it if it's not working no it's very true and, the, and there's a couple of numbers that we've released as singles which were quite successful but off the top of my head rage to love which we had a fairly big not massive hit but we had a hit with back in the 80s 19, oh well <laughs> Of course, Lee knew that. And um, uh, and we've tried to do that live. And every time we start playing it, I'm bored by the first by the first verse. And it's like, no, all right, come on, let's do it. There's some songs definitely sound better, uh, better as like three-minute pop song, and that's where they belong. Yeah, yeah. That's where they should stay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's another thing. I mean, you know, it's incredible, isn't it? The, the, the three-minute pop song um, format is still as relevant today as it was when the three-minute pop the song 50s. first came out in the 50s. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's kind of where Joe and, you know, people like that come in. So, so Joe Bennett is a plugger. And when, when you try and get a record on the radio, you basically you have a plugger and it's their job to pitch it to the radio stations and see if they'll play it. And, you know, he will come to you and say, look, you know, to give yourselves the best chance of getting it on the radio, these are the parameters. And knock, knock 10 seconds off it all. Yeah. Well, quite uh, yeah, often, big chunks. Yeah, really. All of our radio mixes were under three minutes. Uh, and then you do other tricks like the vocal has to be in and, you know, the main vocal has to be happening within 30 seconds or maybe 10 seconds. The intro, 15 seconds we found was the magic number. The guitar's not too loud. Guitar's not too loud. That's a weird one for me, because I'm obviously <laughs> been a guitarist. What are you trying to say, Radio 2? There was, there was lots of little yeah, things. Yeah, Ricky, turn it down. Yeah, <laughs> just, just slightly bring the rock element down a bit. 
put uh, the chorus at the top of the song. Get the chorus in really get quickly. That straight in. Get the vocal louder as well. The radio mixes the vocal was always a bit louder because All radio has has a really severe compression on it. Yeah. And yeah. If the vocal isn't a bit louder in the mix, it won't sound as good on radio. So there's always little things you do to give yourself the best chance of getting it on the radio. All these little elements are all part of the planets aligning in my head, yeah. and um, and that's what I'm, I try to explain. Is there so many there's so many little things that need to be perfect yeah. in order to hear it on that radio. So when it gets to that point and you hear it on the radio, it's like it's fuck, like, we've done it. You it's know, such it's a, a long great, journey. I think your planets aligning analogy is so perfect in that for that because of course there's something magical about planets aligning and there's def- there's something magical about music and pop music and the way it affects people and and how it brings people together in a way that religion and politics doesn't definitely isn't a great bringer together of people but somehow music is and um in a really beautiful way and even you know like fifty thousand people also turn up at rewind to listen to a sink is an american all the old stuff and having a ball and bringing their families and and the joy on their faces is so overwhelming and people say to me oh well you've sung kids in america hundreds of times thousands of times don't you get bored of it and you know what the, the audience make it fresh for us every single time um it's their energy that that keeps that song alive not not just mine or rick's and everyone else's but they they give it back so that's a great live thing that's why we're putting out this live album just to kind of try and give it a people a bit of an insight into how it works it's not just a load of people standing on stage or even one it's it's about everybody who's on site everyone in the audience everyone side of stage out front backstage there's a special magic that happens and a unity that happens which is rare in life yeah, it is. It's a, it's a wonderful thing to experience. Every time we still get goosebumps at the end of our shows, even like solstice, when we do solstice and it all goes quiet. It's just such a beautiful moment. And um, yeah, I, every time it's a real honour to be a part of, you know. That must be so so rewarding as a songwriter as well to see that process Incredible. through from beginning to, you know, here in the studio or writing with Kimmy and then yeah. all of a sudden you're in 50,000 yeah. people. What, you know, what is that journey like from there to there? It's quite an amazing it, thing. It really Listen, is. Your, your music is obviously connected with millions of people over the years and um, what is some of the best feedback you've had or what is some of the best reactions something that might stand out for you that you've had that effects that you've had like personal stories that people have talked to you about about a song you've written or a lyric or a melody or something what's does anything spring to mind in that respect yeah I I, I can't remember there was something on um, on Twitter the other day where someone tweeted me and said that your music over the years really inspired me and there have been times when I've, I've felt really shit and listen to that and it's really changed the way I've been thinking and when you hear those kind of stories I think that's what um, turns me on that always makes me feel great Um, songs are like old friends aren't they that's how I think of your your music you know I was an only child growing up didn't have brothers and sisters in the way that you did so music and songs were my brothers and sisters and so you get a real going to like you talk about how how it feels singing that song a hundred times live I've probably heard it live a hundred times yet I still get exactly that same connection and you get transported back to where you were which is both good and bad in terms of it can bring back some less lovely memories but equally it can it can just gosh this got me through mm, this mm. gave me hope or, or whatever it was it they, i really do think of songs as friends yeah 
And that's a wonderful thing for me and Kimmy because we gave birth to those songs and it's, a, it's lovely to see that they've affected people in that way. Yeah, timelessly so. Yeah. Just going back to songwriting, Rick, as well, like, how, what's the process? How do you write a melody or, you know, what, what, what would inspire you? Or how would you start? Would you pick up a guitar? Do you write on a piano? Just talk about a little bit about the process, about you coming to the studio, sitting down and trying to... Trying to write a song. There's no set rules with my writing. There are for some writers, but for me, sometimes it'll be a guitar. If I've got a guitar to hand, sometimes I'll just suddenly pick it up and start coming up with some chords, and then, yeah, it'll start from that. Um, other times, I'll be walking in a store and I'll be hearing some music in the background and it'll just be chords and I'll a melody in my head, record it into my iPhone, then I come in here and program it up, and then that's a new song. Um, other times, I'll hear a song on the radio and I'll think, wow, that's so cool. I'd love to write a song like that. And I'll come in, I'll program some beats up and that'll be the start of another song. Um, sometimes I'll have a conversation and somebody will mention a phrase and um, and that phrase will stick and sometimes I'll just write it in my notes in, in my phone and then I'll come back and then that'll trigger something off as well. So when Nina came down with Laura, um, Laura Fairs, and the three of us were sitting down and that was a different experience of writing. Um, yeah, it, it's right across the board. There's there's no set rules on that one, Jake. It's um, it's um, you came that you know the way that that was. Uh, I I definitely wanted. Um, I felt the the close album in my head. I wanted it to be our version of Dare by the Human League, and Dare every track on that was just cracking and I wanted Close to be like that that every song that came on people would listen to and get that but same buzz that I do listening to Dare and that that was my aim I just felt there was more there was just one more that killer track but by the time that process had finished of recording that song I didn't hear that as a single at all uh, getting back to what you're saying were, were there any songs earlier any songs that you know you didn't think were going to be a single or deserve to be I was like that when you came because I was so close to it. I was, I was singing that chorus over and over and over again for a whole weekend. By the end of it, I was sick of the bloody thing. I, I felt it was a bit chorus heavy. What did you think was the lead from the, cl- from the Close album then? What would you have in your Stranger, head? Stranger, probably. Okay. Definitely Stranger because I yeah. remember when, I, cause I, when Rick played me the backing track for Never Shots a Stranger and I knew straight away that was a smash. So going, yeah, I did. There has only been a few songs in my career where I knew I was listening to a, 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 a right there hit. Never Trust a Stranger was one. It's one of my all-time favourite songs as a single that I released. Mm. I so, think the Close album has your best vocal on it as well. Loves. It's not a single, actually. It's Loves a No. Yeah. Loves a No, I think yeah. that's your best. Oh, I beautiful vocal. your best live vocal, your best vocal recorded. Oh, thank you. And you didn't, I, I believe you didn't particularly want, Kim mentioned Todd Rundgren earlier, and I don't, that was oh, your favourite choice. Oh, we had a bloody song, lucky yeah. Guy. Which one, Dan? Lucky oh, Lucky Guy. guy. Lucky Guy, yeah. lucky guy unlucky, unlucky Song. Unlucky Song. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it an unlucky song? Because <laughs> we couldn't bloody record <laughs> the bloody thing. Every time it we did it, it's mainly technical problems there. Oh, we yeah, had. So, it so we, we, we basically, um, I, I programmed the keyboards in, and there was some, I think it was in the Fairlight, that we had the Fairlight too at the time. Hey, well, I mean, this was pre digital, so we were working on tape. Uh, we just kept having problems with it, and there was something wrong with the quantizers on it. And the chords were kind of going, Dun, 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 dun. And, and I, pray, I, I played it in like that, and I pressed play and it went, dang, 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 dang. 
it's awful. And I, I just started giggling, and then before I knew it, the whole song was fucking ruined. I mean, it was amazing. It ever made it on the album, actually. Amazing. We actually. Tony Swain try and talk you out of? I think Tony. I think Tony and Rick both tried to talk me out of it, and I put my foot down because I wanted to have a Todd Rundgren song on the album, mostly because I wanted to to wake the world up to the the glories of Todd Rundgren, and I was sort of on a one woman mission to kind of let everyone go. Oh, who's he? Because a lot of people do say that. Um, but so, as, a, as a musician, you would influence what your fans bought. So I would buy stuff if you mentioned it in an interview. So I bought Scritti Politti's Provision album when you mentioned it on TV back in 1987 or wherever it was. And I love that album now. Oh, it's still like one of the... It's, oh, up, in the, it's up there classic. in the top ten albums of all time, isn't it? Yeah. Don't you think you should tell the story then? how that no one... It, it was very close that no one heard any of the Close album ever. Oh, yeah, oh. that's a great story. <laughs> You've got to tell that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So I mean just you know the so we, yeah, so so we spent like the best part of a year recording this album and we're all really pleased with it and everything's all done it's all mastered it's all great. But then the very final stage of that is you need to have cut it in, in the cutting room up in London. Uh, at that time we had Swizzler who was our tape op at the time. Lovely guys to a very dear friend of mine now. Uh, so Swizzler's like sitting there and so um, I said come on then we, we need to be up there by two o'clock so we get in the car and he's got all the master tapes in, in a briefcase. So I said well stick it in the boot and then it'll be safe. Another thing to make clear to people is that in those days the master was it. Was it. There, yeah. wasn't, there wasn't discs, there wasn't a hard disc, there wasn't a backup. No. That's it. No that's it. And it was yeah. on a big reel to reel wasn't it? Tape. Uh, no, the... uh, that, that tape. It oh, okay. Was, yeah. oh, was it? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was okay. on that. And, oh, um, but still, there's only one. But there was only one, yeah, one, one, one copy of it. And so he st- we, we put it in a, in a briefcase. So it's nice, safe, nice and safe in the briefcase. And then we put it in the boot of, the, of, the, of my BMW, slammed the boot shut. So we're driving up there. And I said, um, we're going to go down Finchley Road. And we're a little bit peckish. Bit hungry, weren't you? A little bit peckish. Bit hungry. <laughs> yeah, a little, a little bit peckish. <laughs> So, so I says to uh, Swizzle, I said, uh, fancy a Mackie D? Mackie D? A Mackie D. And he said, yeah, I quite fancy that. I said, all right, yeah. So I pulled over the car, got out, locked it. Swizzle said, oh, no. I said, what? He said, no, 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 we're not leaving those tapes in that car. I said, what do you mean? It's in the boot. It should be all right. No, 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 no. No, no, we're, we're going to take that with us. You, you can't... Far safe room at the fast, <laughs> you, don't, you don't want to leave that there. You just don't know what's going to happen. You just don't you know. You just don't know what's going to happen. I said, all right then, whatever, whatever, you know, you really think that. So I've unlocked the car. He's got it out the boot. Same thing. So we've got into McDonald's. Um, big Mac, you know, big, fries. A big Big Mac and large fries and, and a large, large chocolate milkshake. <laughs> later, um, so so yeah, all that later, and we, so, so we get in the car and we drive to the cane room. So we're thinking, yeah, life's good. And uh, so right, Twizzle, you got the masters? And he's like looked at me and he's gone white, and <laughs> he said, "I've left it in McDonald's." <laughs> So then we motor back to bloody McDonald's and thank Christ it was still sitting there. And so, well, exactly where you'd left it. Where we'd left oh, it. But if anybody had picked that up, that was, it. That was the album a whole, gone. A whole year's work. The whole album gone. A whole lifetime's <laughs> achievement gone. So it almost didn't happen because of that. Um, so, yes, that's, that's the story of that one. I'm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just talk quickly about some of your influences, Rick and Kim, um, like um, songwriting wise. Um, 
Hey, well, what about Kids in America? Because that's got a good story to it. I mean, Kids in America actually, because uh, we, I, I did a few. I can't remember what we did, like a documentary, or we did something, and I actually made lots of notes about Kids in America. Mm. Um, I sat Ricky down. Well, it's, try, it's quite hard to get Ricky sitting down anywhere to to get him to talk to you. So I managed to I, I managed to corner him one morning at an airport when we were travelling. I thought, right, come on, Rick, let's write down a, a, a chronology of Kids in America. Amazingly, he still forgot to tell me one really important detail, which I didn't find out until five years later. But nonetheless, we, we wrote the small history of kids and it's quite interesting, I think. Well, yeah, very yeah. interesting. Um, uh, you, you talk about the OMD thing there. Yeah, um, we, we, did, um, we did a show last year. Uh, Rewind. Rewind Henley. And um, orchestral manoeuvres in the dark were playing on the same gig and... I sat down backstage having a bite to eat with, yeah, Andy McCluskey sat, sat next to me. And I'd not really spoken to him before, so I thought it was a good opportunity to say hello and, and thank him for all his um, influences on stuff that I'd been writing at that time. And one of them was uh, is a song called Messages that, that, he, that he wrote, which I absolutely loved. And it had this synth line, that the very first thing you hear thing. And Could you play it, Rick? Yeah, certainly can. Yeah, and behind that, you'd have these beautiful chords, um, and that's what made the the whole riff so hypnotic, was because that same riff just carried on playing over it. And um, you'd have these beautiful chords behind it. So the riff stays the same here, but the chords are different behind it. Love that. It's just so lovely. Mm. So when I went into the studio and I started recording Kids in America, um, before I knew it, I, the backing track was down, the bass was down, the drums were kicking away, and I just felt that there, it needed something in that second verse to give it another little new element. And um, so I just started mucking about with the, the little mini Moog, and straight away that, that just suddenly tapped in. So everybody lives for the music, go around it finished up being quite a major part of that verse um but without Andy McCluskey and and Paul Humphreys that would not have happened because that was such a beautiful um line very simple is it as simple as it was it was perfect for that moment and it it kind of like became a big part of the song and so yeah there I was sat next to him at, the, at this table and it was a perfect opportunity for me to say oi Andy thanks mate you're a star and uh, he was very gracious and very sweet about it and um yeah so hopefully we'll be doing some more gigs with them yeah there were some other influences uh, i remember very well when we were recording uh, one of them was um a track by roxy music called street life and the very first thing you hear on that is uh some street noises over these Again, amazing chords, and Brian Eno was just doing what he does amazingly and getting all these great synth sounds. And, and um, yeah, so that was a big influence for me when, when I was recording that whole intro with all the car noises and the whole setting up the vibe, you know. You There's another new one. one. Never told <laughs> another us. Another new one, yeah. <laughs> Never heard that. But you've heard of that. Yeah, yeah, really, honestly. It's just yeah. really dreary. Yeah. Trying to get anything out of that boy. You know, he, he's, all, he's saved all the nuggets for the podcast, <laughs> really, haven't you? Yeah, well, um, the other thing 
thing as well was the bass on the intro. That was all Gary Newman, really. He's a boss when he had all these great synth sounds. So that kind of um, inspired me um, to get all the synths going. Um, yeah, there was one particular track that he recorded uh, called Me, I Disconnect. Um, and that was just bloody amazing. There was a white noise sound that had a phaser going across it. And um, it was kind of like played as if it was a hi-hat. And I remember getting that sound on my Wasp synthesizer and um, triggering it off the hi-hat of um, of what the drummer played. Uh, John Fox uh, also used a very similar sound in Underpass. So, yeah, uh, We're the Kids at the end. I, I remember that the We're the Kids. Yeah, uh, that's yeah. all Johnny Rotten. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sex Pistols. Bless him. Um, there's a whistle sound in the chorus um, where it goes... Which is all like all these whistles in harmony. And that was all from ABBA. Um, Never told us. Yeah, so that was where that came from. <laughs> Um, wow, it's yeah. an old mesh, isn't it? Yeah, it was just a load of different influences, and um, and writing wise, I wasn't hearing all those noises in my head. It's only when we came to go in the studio and I had um, all these array of, of synths. Um, it was a studio that was owned by a band called the Enid, who were like a prog band at that time. And Robert Godfrey, who was the lead man with the keyboard player, had um, all these incredible synths lying around um, from Mini Moogs to the Yamaha CS80s to Junos to Selenas. And they, they're all there that I could use. And, um, and you were, what, 18 at the time? Yeah, you? I was like a kid in a toy shop. You know, it was, I could not believe my luck. It was like everything I touched was just sounded amazing. And yeah, originally that, that, that song came very quickly because... I'd recorded a couple of demos and originally I was going to be the artist, but it's not something I particularly wanted to do because I'd had the experience of being an artist as a young kid and I didn't really like it much. And that was, um, I recorded a track called I'm an Astronaut and I was only about nine or ten. And because of my experiences at school with bullying and stuff like that, it kind of turned me right off wanting to be a, a star. I w- really wanted to write and produce songs, but and I, at that time I only the only way that I thought I could do that was be the artist, but it wasn't an ideal situation. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. 
real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. But I, I went in and recorded a couple of demos. One of them was uh, Falling Out, and I was singing that, and that finished up being on Kimmy's album. Yeah, so I played it one of the guys at, um, at Rack Studios, and he played it to Mickey. Mickey loved it, called me back and said, look, really want to get you in the studio and mickey most being like the simon cowell of his day yeah people mickey, that don't mickey know who was he is. such a, a massive influence on so many bands in those days he, he was um bands like oh susie quattro hot chocolate hot chocolate yeah racy, racy. was it racy yeah. and but also do you know what he also produced duncan brown's journey what a great song that is yeah. um he, he he loved music mickey you know he was a a huge inspiration. He, he could and you've really got spot that a hit. picture of him up in your studio yeah, now. Yeah, a yeah. shot I, I took when I was just, yeah. I had my little Pentax back in the day. And I, I just found it on a reel of photographs I found several years ago. It's the it only was, photo like, it was of me gold. And Mickey it's the together, only photographs really? we got of, yeah. of Mickey Mostyn now. It's, it's lovely. It's him leaning over the desk at, in Studio Two at Rap Records, yeah. uh, mentoring Ricky. Yeah. But, you know, he recognised in Ricky his ability as a songwriter, not just as a musician and a, and a, mel- a melody man. But they were, you know, you've written all the lyrics and everything. You were just the whole, you were mm. the whole deal. Um, and you looked, you know, you had a, that amazing look about you. You know, you walked, you, had, you just looked incredible. We, you know, we were 20. That studio and that mixing desk was the same studio and same desk we recorded Here Come the Aliens. Yeah. Come full the circle. exact same mixing yeah, desk. Come full circle. It's the same desk, yeah. same music. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they've yeah, never made a that. better mixing desk. Well, yeah. most the of the mixing desks made in those days, they've never really topped it. They're cleverer now, they're digital, they do all kinds of clever stuff, but for quality of sound, they've they're yeah. never got any better. But at Rat, Nicky Chin and Mike Chapman were writing all the big hits for the artists there. Mm. And obviously, Susie's hits, they wrote some incredible pop tunes for her, and um, and so it went on. So I think in Mickey's mind, he thought, right, well, he, he saw me, he got Ricky in the studio, I rode myself in as a backing vocalist, because that's what I wanted to do. I had no big dream about being a pop star i just wanted a job uh singing i knew how to do harmonies i i thought i could you know i knew that the money was quite good um so i thought i'll run myself in so that's exactly what i did and then mickey spotted me in the studio and, and then asked ricky who straight, i was straight away i thought right i'm, I'm gonna get jump on this because this for me was an opportunity where i didn't have to be the artist and and that's kind of where i wanted to be i wanted to be the writer and the producer and involved in the music side um, but I just didn't really want to be the artist, and this was the answer to all my dreams. Wow. So then, um, yeah, so that night I went back and I said to Dad, we need to write a smash hit. Because wasn't, for, for wasn't there like a time issue? Weren't they suggesting other writers and producers? Well, and they wanted, yeah, 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 Mickey wanted me yeah. to work with Mike Chapman and Nicky Chin, and yeah. so Rick just sort of sod that. And other producers, <laughs> and I thought, hang on a minute, not sure about this, not having this. <laughs> so, um, so I said, Dad, you know, we need to jump on this. So, so I literally sat down, I got my, my little Wasp synthesizer out, um, started coming up with a few ideas, and before I knew it, um, Kids in America was written within the bulk of it within half an hour. One night in the room next to my bedroom, and we were both living at home, obviously, at the time, and our bedrooms were only t- three tiny rooms upstairs in this little thatched cottage my mum and dad still live in, and two of those rooms were bedrooms, and they were one was Rick and mine and a tiny little bathroom, so there wasn't much between our walls, and all I could hear all night was this bloody thing uh, pulsating through the through the wall, going... You should drive anyone mad. It went on all night... 
And yeah, I no. just, it was driving me it's insane. Driving me mad. And I, and I just thought, oh my God, I can't wait to leave home. This is just a nightmare. <laughs> and uh, and he was writing Kids in America. Yeah. And then the, the next day, I booked out the studio, uh, Enid's studio, which was based in Hartford. And um, it was in a cellar in Hartford. And um, so it was the nearest studio. So I, I, I phoned him up and said, look, you've got, you've got any downtime? He said, yeah, we've got, we've got a day. So I've come in. And then we recorded Kids in America within two days and with, recorded all the vocals, uh, did a rough mix and went up to went up to Rack Studio and played it to Mickey. And straight away heard it, it's, it's number one hit. I've got a question for you. So one of the hardest things in the music business, as you all know, is, is to do something new and fresh and to come up with a new sound. You know, I've always tried it and you sit there and right, I'm going to come up with a new sound. It's just, you just can't, it's, it's impossible. But you did. That was, you know, I know there was a few other people, it's like the new wave kind of thing, but, but you mixed synthesizers and you mixed rock and you, a pop song all in, in the same song. That, I think that's Kid's big defining moment. In the, it, it, it was a new sound. It mixed all those elements together. I know there was a couple of other songs, but, but it was definitely the biggest of all of them. Yeah, I, I, th- I think it's just all my influences. But did you know you was. were doing that? Or was it when you listened to it at the end, oh, we've done something new? No, no, I didn't. I wasn't. It, nothing was pre-planned. It was just like it. I, it. My, my whole life has always been um, lucky accident. Go, go, yeah. <laughs> 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 I always do everything um, gut instinct, spontaneous, yeah, spontaneously, yeah, yeah. and if it feels right at the time. Do it. It's only now that we're talking about it that we can sort of analyse it and yeah. sort of... But at the time, there was no, the no analysing li- li- anything. Literally, I, I remember the first thing I recorded was the bass, um, the, 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 the bass parts, because we didn't have sequences in those days. So I literally just had the LFO t- turn up on the mini Moog and it just went... and that was, So I had to do the whole thing in one take. So I did the bass in one take, which was... A miracle in itself, and um, so I managed to do that. And then, obviously, we did we we couldn't program drums, so we had to have a live drummer. Chris North, who who is uh, the drummer in the Enid, yeah. was upstairs having his dinner. Roped him down, so play, oi, 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 play drums, play drums on this, yeah, and there, and that's the first, and that's, and then this is that, and that's that, and then the next thing. Um, we had the white noise sound, the Gary Newman white noise sound, which was triggered off the hi-hat that um, Chris was playing. Uh, so literally I had uh, put the hi-hat through a gate and the gate was opening up and so I just literally had my finger on the, uh, on the, on the uh, wasp playing this white noise sound. Every time he hit his hi-hat, it would open up and it would just go... This is just showing people realise that today, if, if you have a sound in your head, you can sit down at a computer and you can, you can find that sound, yeah. you can create that sound and very easily put it in your song, put it in time. It's, it's really not that difficult and kids do it at home on their laptops. I'm sure they're even doing it on their phones these days. It's crazy. Yeah. But in those days, to do something like that, if you wanted a white noise at a particular point in a song, in sync, yeah. it was a massive technical operation. Uh, yeah, it was. Involving it was many boxes yeah. and cables yeah. And, yeah. And, and someone wiring it all up and making it work. And, and it wouldn't work a lot. And you'd spend hours and hours and hours doing something that would take you two minutes now. Yeah, no, that's right. And quite often you were doing it for the first time. That was the yeah, most yeah, exciting yeah. bit for me yeah, about yeah, recording yeah, in those yeah. days. There was all this new ground being broken. No yeah. one had used that sort of sound before. No, no. Well, Gary Newman had. Okay. Yeah. But and, it was and all that's, around and that's that time. Where, yeah, but then that's where the, the idea for that particular sound came from. 
as I said earlier, the, the whistles came from ABBA. So there were all influences from all different bands, and, and it was just an amalgamation of all the, these bands that we've been listening to over the years. And, um, yeah, I just felt... I don't know why I decided to put whistles in the, in the chorus and a song like Kids in America, but it just felt the right thing to do at the time. So, yeah, it wasn't, there was nothing pre-planned. It's literally, listen to it, fuck it, let's try some whistles. Yeah, sounds great. Well, yeah, let's put a Star Spangled Banner at the end. <laughs> See, so yeah, many people don't realise that's what that is. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, Lee. Lee. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. Biggest fan down the drain. Yeah, moment. so it's like Kids in America that <laughs> da, 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 at the end. That's, a, that's well, this. Well, we, we left it out of the live version for a good 10 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah we did. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. So we didn't have yeah. it. No. I mean, oh, can you believe that? So, yeah. like, one of, you know, a key ingredient on a classic pop tune, yeah. as it's turned out. <laughs> and there was this forgot. bit, and, yeah. we, and I said, I remember saying yeah, it to Rick, we need to put that on. Yeah. He said, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it's not on? No, it's not I, on. I, I and it's such that, a big we? part of the song when it comes in. Yeah. Every time I hear it live, I'm like, I can't believe we didn't have that for so long. <laughs> Actually, that's yeah. another interesting thing about playing live, is that, you know, playing all the old hits, is you know, which we've done for nearly 20 years now. And when we first started playing, them again we'd go and rehearse them and then we'd sort of we'd wander off a bit down a vibe so you know what depending on what musicians we were working with and you know so we might just like change the, the beats per minute the bpms so all of a sudden a song might be a little bit slower or a, not often faster but sometimes um on the wall behind you i think is the shields uh version of checkered love oh yeah yeah. And then you did the version of that. So Shields are a band from Newcastle who were working in Rack Studios a couple of years ago. And I don't quite know how they picked the song up, but they did a, a completely different version of Checkered Love, like yeah. an acoustic folky version yeah. of it yeah. almost. Yeah. And then, sorry to interrupt you, but you then sort of, you quite liked the way that they did it. And then you had a go at doing that. We loved sort the of way take. they did it. And then we did their version as well as the, our version on the same show. Um, but it was interesting. Loved it. They, the crowds loved it, didn't they? They did, They're yeah, and it was fun. Yeah, it was I even lovely. got to play tambourine, which was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, but, you know, then we, ha- then we had to kind of... We realised that we were going off track and we wanted to reintroduce the authenticity of the songs live and we re-authenticated authenticize. Is that a word? It's not even a word. <laughs> Authenticated? <laughs> We re-authenticated our music. <laughs> and that was really interesting because yeah. some of them were too, weren't fast enough, some of them were too fast, some of them we'd forgotten. The Star Spangled Banner on Kids in America. How, yeah, how, could, you, how could you even forget that? How, we, how do we even forget that? Are yeah. there songs you won't ever do live? Are there songs in the back catalogue if someone said to you, I really want to hear this one live that you just like, I'm not going there. I just no, no. You know what? We're open to playing um, some songs that we've never played live, and we're sort of talking about doing an anti-tour yes, in the next yes, few yes, years. Yes, um, yes. Once the, the the live album, and yeah, so yeah, we talk about the anti-tour, and we talk about doing those rare grooves, those Deep tracks, cuts. those songs. Lee, we'll be coming to you first for sure. For the, so Deep we will cuts. we will get <laughs> deep cuts. I know um, just from talking to Rick that a, a real favourite of both. Both of yours is an album track called Chaos at the Airport. You had to bring it in, didn't you? <laughs> you had to do it, Lee. Okay, we'll move on. He Sorry. Had to, he had to. Oh, the shame.
the shame you know often we are at an airport and it is pretty chaotic and of course you know it, can it comes get... out <laughs> and then we you know we we do well, maybe we should talk to our lovely father about that about where that lyric came from listen rick whatever happened we recorded it i sang you it sang i it. made a decision you, you bloody sang it i i did i i just i sang are you Planes taking crashing out of control? Yeah. I mean, I was an adult. I could have said <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, you could have said no. I could have said, said this is no. a really crazy yeah. lyric, Dad. This is a, even a crazy <laughs> lyric too far for you, Dad. But no, no I we walked didn't. We, down we, that we, road. We just ran with it, didn't we? <laughs> Yeah, we've and we've regret. But the funny thing about chaos at the airport, and and we, I can hear people laughing just me saying it. <laughs> but I remember I was doing a photo shoot somewhere, and there was this lovely hairdresser, and she she's looking at me in the mirror like they do, having a chat. She goes, "You know what, Kim? I've got to tell you, oh my favourite track of yours." And I was like waiting for it, you know, "Kiss in America," "Cambodia," "View from Bridge," "Chaos at the <laughs> Bloody Airport." And I, I said, oh, my God. I said, I said really? I said, I tried to keep a sweet smile. Oh, that's so nice of you. Anyway, I was so, I thought it was so funny. I phoned up Ricky straight away. Hey, Rick, yeah. Rick, we've got someone who loves cows at the airport. <laughs> <laughs> So that one's yeah. not coming out for the anti-tool. Then. No, no, it's not bloody No, we ain't doing a bloody chaos at the airport. <laughs> right, that's one off my list. Um, I've just got a quick question as well about people covering your music. What are some of the versions you're sort of like, you're most fond of? Or You know more about this. Lee's very good at cover uh, versions of ours. We've had all sorts of, of, of covers uh, on kit, Shields was we? a great one, wasn't it? Yeah. Shields was I, I love I love Checkered Love from Shields. I thought that is The Donner's beautiful. version of Kids in America. You like that version? You heard that one? So that was featured in the movie Clueless. It's like a, they were like a riot girl band, like the oh, real yeah, bikini yeah. kill. Yeah, I've like, seen like, that movie. Like yeah, whole, yeah. I'm a bit embarrassed. To I think that, you'll but. find it's the Donners that do, um, so an all girl rock band that do a really sped up I think version. I've heard that, yeah. Not quite Lawn Mower Death. Death. Let's not forget Lawn Mower oh, Death. Yeah, but, yeah, Lawn Mower Death. But in, yeah, that, yeah. in that kind of a girl band version yeah, of yeah. that, but faster. Yeah. yeah, it's a difficult one for me because I'm so used to our version and performing and hearing our version of it. When I hear other versions of my songs, it's a lovely thing that people like the song enough to want to do a, another version of it. And it's a real honour for me to hear other people spin on a song that I've written. You know, it's a great feeling, if you know what I mean. But I, I guess the Foo Fighters... Uh, version of that is pretty cool was ever there an approach from stock aching waterman so that's what that's a sound that a lot of people thought at some point that you you dabble and you might record with them i think there was like a vague reference to it from someone maybe at a record company probably an i'm an r person or a and r office artists and repertoire <laughs> or as we used to call them i'm an r i think probably one of those i'm an r people probably thought oh maybe uh <laughs> But you like uh, their maybe work. Stop going and water it. You like their work, though. Oh, yeah, no, they, yeah. They're, they're, Love their work. They're amazing. They are amazing writers, and um, and much much respect. At that time, they were just especially so the stuff they were doing it. with Kylie was oh, killer. But, but it's just smash hit after smash hit, and uh, it's amazing. Game with you came, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, I never guess. trust a stranger. Lots of people always say it's the best thing Stock Aitken Waterman never did. They said oh, they. I've heard it say of of you came as well. And actually, I think they say it's the best song they never wrote. Yeah. Um, so God bless them. I love what Stock Aitken and Waterman did, but I felt it, it would have given away too much of our own sound. We, we, although we, sometimes we would write songs that were supposed to be hits or would want to be hits and weren't hits, and um, but we were always very loyal to um, 
what we had to give. And I think we felt by working with Stock Cake and Waterman or, or really actually with anyone at that time, it was always going to compromise our authenticity our authenticity. Yeah. What about Rick Knowles? So he's a, a legendary songwriter. He's written for, he wrote lots of Belinda Carlisle stuff more recently with Lana Del Rey. And that was a real departure from your sound when you did Love Is Holy with, with him. How do you feel about that one now? Well, it was a wonderful experience for me because I went as a, as a songwriter primarily to Los Angeles and worked with Rick Knowles during that period of time. Um, and it was amazing. Yeah, we we wrote a few songs together. He, I did always feel a little bit like I was um, getting, um, you know, Belinda Carlisle's cast-offs. Maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll re- revisit, yeah, revisit it because it's, it's got something That's about it, song. but good I tune. still think it sounds like Belinda Carlisle's cast-off to me. Nah. You experimented with quite a few songwriters on that album. So Mick Silver is someone that you wrote yeah, with Mick, as Mick's, well? Yeah, uh, Mick Silver is a good buddy of mine. I've known Mick for years. I met him when he was signed to Maison Rouge, the studio uh, set up in London, and the owners signed up a label and signed Mick. And I wrote and produced a couple of tracks with him then. Um, I got very close to him and he's a real good buddy of mine even now. Uh, he's a lovely man and a great talent and, a yeah, great to work That's with. That's a great song on that album, I Believe in You. Oh, he's... he's I, I, I really loved working with Mick and um, we wrote three or four songs, I think. Yeah, so. Touched by Your Magic's another beautiful <laughs> one. Yeah. Touched yeah. by Your Magic. That's one of my all-time favourite songs that we've done. Yeah. You wrote that with Mick Silver? Yeah. You've got yeah. Junior beautiful. on backing vocal to think on that one, haven't you? I think, I think Junior does a little bit of a backup. Junior? Mm, I think so. He, oh, he, oh, really? Gosh, I think you so. are good, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> and you've had Jackie Graham do backing vocals for Jackie you? Jackie Graham yeah, is Jackie a great mate of ours, and she yeah. did, I mean... On Love when, Moves, some oh, lovely work. Oh, man, that woman's voice is something else. And to have her singing on... Um, especially, actually, it was a, a, a lovely little song that I, I wrote on my own called... Um, I can't say goodbye. Um, and then to be in the studio, uh, I think it was Studio 3 at Rat Records, mm. and we had an orchestra doing a beautiful mm. string arrangement. Richard Niles. And, yeah, and No less. Yes. Yeah. People don't um, think about the wild ballads. I think that's really an interesting thing. Jackie they think Graham of the pop. singing backing vocals. It was, it was, a, it was one of the... Crazy what, time. A career moment for me to be in a studio hearing my song orchestrated and Jackie Graham singing backing vocals on it. So That's there's one, one the for the anti-talk. Days. So we've got Chaos yeah. in the Airport out, Dancing in the Dark out, but we've got I Can't Say Goodbye in. That's a good yeah. start. <laughs> I love that we've just, or, you know, we've never, we've never been so self-conscious as to stop something. I mean, you know, I'm glad that you can see the mistakes in our career. You can see the blips and, and you can see it's a reality of our career. I love it. Um, it's been, there have been great times, there have been good times, there have been embarrassing times. Um, and you... it's all there in, in all its glory for you everyone to, to pick apart <laughs> and, and love and get confused about. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that about us. I, I like that we do yeah. that. We're yeah. very real. I think people yeah. can relate to that, and that's why they do relate to it. That's why we're still here. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's why you we're spoke still... your fans back in the day when um, when Seven Inch Records were the thing and people bought them, and that you always gave us original content for B sides. Was that a chance as a songwriter to experiment? Did you go in yeah, thinking absolutely. we can do something crazy here? That, that was always a, a chance to expand and take a chance and not have to write a, a normal. Song you or could have just, the pressure of yeah. coming up with a hit record. Yeah. It's, it's just pressure off, and because of that, um, generally the real excitement about doing that that whole process. Don't you totally have it. a live show's worth of B sides. Absolutely for you, Lee. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs>
for you, we would do it. Oh, bless you. Yeah, we would. Concert uh, for one. Um, yeah, we, we probably would. <laughs> <laughs> just say, imagine trying to sell tickets for that. We're not going to play any hits. Yeah. <laughs> it worked for Kylie. She played no hits, B-sides and album tracks only. Oh, well, if it, well, uh, you know, if, if it's it good for, Kylie, for Kylie, it, it might work for me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll give it a shot. Anyway, we're going to take, you know, have some fun with our um, music catalogue. We have played a lot of the songs a lot of the time and there's some beautiful stuff there for us to revisit, Leah, and encouraged by your good self, I have to say, and reminded by your good self, we will certainly visit those, revisit them, and I will enjoy every moment. I really will. Bless Likewise. you. Can't wait. Beautiful. So, here we go. Rick, I'm so excited about this journey that we're going to go on with the podcast. Uh, I think we've given all the listeners an incredible flavour of what to expect, of who you are, of who Lee is. Um, just amazing, mate. I'm, you know, it's an honour to to know you, and uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to what's ahead. So, what, so what's the plan going ahead? Well, can I just thank everybody here first of all? Uh, thank you, Kimmy, for coming. It's uh, it's fascinating. It's, uh, some stuff I haven't even uh, knew about or, 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 I mean, or, or forgotten about or whatever. You know, yeah, it's just lovely to revisit those days and, yeah, and talk about Rick. those things. So, uh, Lee, thank you so much for for reminding us about some some uh, very embarrassing moments. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure was all mine. <laughs> Uh, it's lovely to have you here, mate, and, and uh, I look forward to to the to the future podcasts that we'll be doing and, and so talking much. about um, some new stuff. So Lee, you know? Lee will be involved every week when he just, just yeah, Lee will be sort right of talking it. about all the latest releases and the new bands that are coming through. And you're always sending me amazing stuff, and I, and I love listening to all these new bands and and talking about it. And so it'll be a nice chance for for us to have a catch up and talk about it rather than Super. just. What's happening? Absolutely. Yeah, so um, so that'd be nice. Um, Shawnee, thank you so much as well for you, dude, uh, coming in and helping us out and, and the amazing job you do uh, with all the gigs and looking after Kimmy and you do such an incredible job. I think you, you should have a programme just on yourself, actually, <laughs> because uh, you, you, you're just involved in so many aspects of the, of the industry and it isn't just management. It's, uh, it's doing the videos as well. You've done an incredible job on the videos um, and the mixing, the mixing that you've done on on the aliens project especially is just astounding and um and thank no, you for a lot. That. thank you so, can I, I, just say, Rick, I think that's a, a podcast on its own so we'll, we'll get sean we'll do a whole episode around sean and, and involvement in the music industry because i'm sure yeah the stories are incredible many, many, many more embarrassing stories than you have <laughs> <laughs> and worse than lee's <laughs> <laughs> probably and and of course jakey thank you mate because uh, without you this wouldn't have happened mate because uh, i remember when jakey was starting up pound for pound um, he said, Rick, you should do one. We talked about it, and obviously I did nothing about it. Um, and it was only recently that Jake said, are you doing it or not? And I, I said, well, he said, come on, we'll do it together. He said, all right then. And then I couldn't say no. But so really, without you, Jake, it wouldn't have happened, mate. And uh, so thank you for that. It's wonderful uh, to have you part of this. And, and it's going to be a lovely journey, the two of us doing yeah, it. Yeah, I'm going to try and say as little as possible over the next few weeks. I'm going to let you take the lead, Rick. Um, yeah, I love you, mate. You're uniquely placed. And I'm, I'm excited about the content we're going to get and the guests we're going to get. It's just going to be an incredible podcast. So very proud to be a, a small part of it. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 
congratulations, guys, because this is if this is like the beginning. I mean, who knows where, where this is going to end? I mean, and the people who you're going to talk to, the stories, the, and, and a lot of them you know. So you're a lot of you'll get a lot of very personal the stuff that they've never told anyone. A bit like Hopefully. today, you know. So <laughs> it's going to be a unique thing. So yeah. well done, Jake, pushing Rick because sometimes he needs a bit of a kick up the arse. <laughs> yeah, I think we all do. We all do. Uh, yeah, we all do. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Kim. Thanks yeah. for that. And um, yeah, incredible to be like sitting here and listening to you guys talking and, and playing your music. It's a real pleasure. Woo! You have been listening to Unsung Heroes with me, Ricky Wilde, Jake Wood and Lee Bennett. Produced and created by myself and Jake Wood for Wildwood Productions. With music and editing, again by myself, Ricky Wilde, Artwork by Scarlet Wild and hosted by Acast. Just to remind you that there is a link in the notes directing you to a Spotify playlist featuring all the songs we have discussed in this episode. Many thanks for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.